0: Yo, yo, yo! Thought Warriors, what is up? Our learn is on. It is Ivan Lathan Jr.
1: And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay.
0: Rachel, are you recovered from our festivities <sighs> yesterday? Have you recovered?
1: Recovered, as if I was like so far gone yesterday or something. Is that what you're trying to insinuate? Are you frozen? No. Okay, go. Okay, there you go. No.
0: I'm saying, I'm saying our festivities were, we were so festive yesterday.
1: We had a good and time. It was, it was a good, good time.
0: It was a good time with the Midnight Boys, with Kalika, with Brian. Um, Chelsea said she was going to come, but then she didn't show up. She played herself as normal. Something Yeah, that she didn't get invite. She for. she
1: lost her invite.
0: She, that's it, it's out. This is a, we this tried. is, this is a standing tradition on championship weekend, okay, and it we watch both of the games, and we have a fun time, and it was cool. Donnie didn't come.
1: Nope,
0: the Donnie wasn't there. Ashley wasn't there. Nope. This is it's 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 uh, Nick May was there,
2: mm-hmm. my
0: partner, two uh, two strangers, six feet over productions, but we have fun. And we don't need other people, Rachel, if they don't want to hang out with us. We don't that, need
1: them. Yeah, they're lost. It was a good, chill time, good conversation. When football wasn't on, we mm-hmm. went into YouTube deep dives. It was very fun. <laughs> it was very fun.
0: We watched I, I wrest- never
1: knew where the YouTube was taking us.
0: <laughs> we watched old wrestling promos. We watched Macho Man Randy Savage. We also tried to get Brian into the MCU. Because we're the Midnight Boys. Pew, pew. I don't think we turned them. I'm, this is, so me and Brian, me and Brian is Friendship 101. We're about to embark on our uh, our friendship together as two highly fit individuals or get getting ready to take on the world.
2: Right.
0: And this is the way we're going to bond over getting Brian into the MCU. I know it's in him. He wants it. I feel like you get
1: you know, he likes an action packed movie. I could tell his he was into the scene that you showed.
0: What's his favorite movie?
1: Okay, I don't know why this comes to mind. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure if it's the favorite, but it's probably a top three.
0: Mm. What?
1: The Last Dragon.
2: Oh. Oh,
0: that's promising. I got to remember that he Brian showed me
1: the movie.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Um, <laughs> I got to remember that Brian is of my ilk. We're mm-hmm. the same age. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if Brian had a Bruce Leroy face. I think we talked about this about his love of the Last Dragon before. I wonder if Brian was we did kicking it around in there. You know that he loves song that
1: movie. I couldn't get it. I was like. What is this? It's it's missed
0: me. The 80s was a time when racism only went from white people to black people. And other racism and cultural stuff, we didn't really even bother wasting time on it. You know? We didn't even... So there's we didn't nothing
1: even, that's inappropriate to you about The Last Dragon?
0: Without a doubt. But it's not... It was just... There's a song in The Last Dragon that says, like, Ukiyaki Hak Saki-su, you sock it to me, I sock it to you.
1: Oh, my God. That's
0: the song that's being sang by the people. And I go back and I listen listen to the song. And obviously, it was one of the, it was a jam and a half when we used to watch the movie back in the day. But it's just like, in the recording of that song, in, I just, it, you know, it's just, it's a different time. It's a different time. We shouldn't judge the past. Uh, stuff like that. Obviously, you got well. We should point out that it was
1: wrong. Then it was a different time, but it didn't mean that it's okay. Because when you start talking like that, you start going into the did it matter in 2018 or did it just matter in 2021? You start going into all that.
0: Who said that? Oh, was that was that Soup Kitchen? (laughs) Oh, did it? That's but see, hold on for a second. When you say 2018. Three years.
1: I know, I know. You know but my point is, he was saying it was a different time. You know, the woke mob had not, you know, taken are flight. You, are, are you
0: getting that soup right now, No, Donnie, I'm just saying that's Donnie, Donnie, what Donnie he bring was up trying. Soups. Bring up Soups' uh, interview with Rachel. I want to hear Your it. I want to
1: name the nickname. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> right. Hey, Donnie, bring up Soups' interview with Rachel. I want to. I want to revisit this real quick since All we're right, talking right. about it um let's go back and see let's do a a a short segment called reheated soup
3: the woke police is out there and, and this poor girl rachel who has just been thrown to the lions i don't know how you are equipped when you have never done this before to be woke enough to be eloquent enough to be ready to handle this and and my guess is this woman needs a little time And this is, again, what we didn't give Hannah. It's what we didn't give anybody. We don't give people time to have some perspective, to try and drink this in for a second, see how this affects their life, and then speak on it. And she will speak, my guess. And when she does, I'm going to hear her out. And if I disagree with her, if you disagree with her, then we can have our say. But I'm not sure why we are in such a hurry to well, throw this poor woman at the it's river. It's been six
1: weeks. We've known about, we've, these allegations have been attached to Rachel since Matt's season started, which was in January. But when do you,
3: when do you jump in? When is, when, when is the time and, and, and who is Rachel Lindsay and who is Chris Harrison and who is whatever woke police person out there? When, who are you? And that's, that's a, I've heard this a lot of like I think she should. I think he should. Who the hell are you?
0: Apparently, this song, Suki, whatever, is by an artist called Raw Dog. Mm. And it's difficult to find stuff on the song. So, me and Brian might have to, you know, when we, I don't think we'll go back and watch The Last Dragon, but when, when we watch the movie, it's just imperative for people to know if you watch the movie, you know, it was just like a time when we, we, we hadn't really jumped into, uh, culturally respecting one another yet. It was like racism was just like, if it wasn't something, I mean, I don't know. It was just different. It was like a...
1: No, you said it right. We didn't mm-hmm. respect other people's cultures. Yeah. People wore Native American costumes for Halloween or they dressed up as Bruce Leroy or whatever it may be. They wore it, blackface.
0: Isn't the character of Bruce Leroy itself Yes. So- yeah, yes,
1: I. That's why I think I couldn't get into it because Brian showed it to me like, I don't know, like four or five years ago. So I'm trying to watch it, and all I can see is how inappropriate it is. So I can't accept anything that they're showing me. You know, I can't so, watch the movie like that. So
0: the character of Bruce Leroy, Bruce Leroy, offended you.
1: Well, it didn't necessarily offend me in particular, but it was offensive, and I know it offends other you. people. Like I knew it was wrong.
0: I would say that there are probably things in the movie that are more offensive than Bruce Leroy. Let me tell you something. You're throwing the ball for the dog. Let me tell you something right now. You're more of a show energy anyway.
1: Uh-uh. Yeah, you are. What about me as show
0: Like, you know, show-nuff says some real lines. People look at show-nuff in the movie as just a like villain. a villain. Mm-hmm. And he is a villain, of course.
1: So but- you just called me a villain? <laughs>
0: I said you have more of a show enough energy. I didn't necessarily say that you were a villain. I said you have a show enough energy. Show enough looked. I got something real for your ass in these hands. That's kind of how you are, Rach. Let's be honest. It's
4: like,
0: it's like, it's kind of like, yo, I got something real for your ass in these hands. I could see that coming from you. That literally
1: came from you like two podcasts ago.
0: I never, that's not what I did. I didn't do that. (laughs) Bringing up old shit
1: a preheated okay. soup. Isn't that what we're doing? Re- this is a reheated soup segment. Reheated so I think soup. that falls into it. That falls Donnie, into
0: it. Donnie, you got to find the right segment of Soup he Kitchen.
1: Quit. He quit. Let, we
0: thought so we forgot. W- when, when you hear that, what do you think? Do you think Soup Kitchen had a point?
1: I think he's saying that we didn't pay attention to those things anymore. No, sorry. Ooh, stop that. I think he's saying that we didn't pay attention or we didn't bring that kind of stuff to the public's attention back in the day, but we do now. But the problem is, he should have been like, and we should be bringing it up now. Right? It's a problem that these, these things were a problem back then. We just didn't address them. Now we do, and we should. He that's That's the part that was missing.
0: And that ends this weekend's edition of Reheated Soup.
1: Reheated Soup.
0: We'll we'll come back next week. Probably never again, honestly.
1: Mm-mm, good. Is that was that Campbell soup? Is that <laughs> uh, Rachel? That was funny.
0: <laughs> Reheated soup. Mm-mm, good. Um, I want to address Tony Romo the Tony Romo issue now. Gone Listen. viral clip. The, the now viral clip of Tony Romo. Uh we were having fun yesterday at the house. We were imbibing drinks, eating chips, wings, and different types of assortment things, okay? And there was a very funny clip that Donnie can play right now of Tony Romo calling the Bengals Chiefs game when it seemed like maybe he stopped himself from becoming Tony Romo, member of NWA, okay? (laughs) Donnie, play the clip. Put it in the post. Oh, you got it. Go ahead.
4: The extra yards, the tough yards, the finish on the play. Right there. You got three. Guys. Guys. Do (laughs) it again. Jumping
0: again. Okay. So that's us having fun. And nobody thinks Nobody thinks Tony Romo is a racist, guys, okay? No. We're drunk. We thought we heard it on TV. Nobody. we're not, you know, it's, if Tony Romo is really, I woke up this morning and all of these different sites, did Tony Romo say the N-word? Did Tony Romo say the N-word? And we weren't the only people that were saying that. No,
1: it was trending but, on Twitter.
0: But the video of us was in there and Shannon Sharp talked about it. We, no one thinks Tony Romo is a racist, or that Tony Romo was trying to, it's just we were we were having some fun, guys. Seriously. You would
1: know if we were being serious, and to be <laughs> and to give even more context, we were watching, we were laughing, we were talking, and Nick goes, "Wait a minute, why that. Did you just mm-hmm. hear that?" And so, yeah. like, we were all like, "Wait a second. How did first of mm-hmm. off, how would even miss this moment?" Then we realized mm-hmm. everybody was talking about it on Twitter at that time. So yeah, we were just guys. I think at this Tony. point they would know if we were really serious about that.
0: Tony, it was a funny my moment. my bad. If if anything has he put out a statement? No, he hasn't put out a no, statement. No, because I don't
1: think anybody took it seriously. It was what is, just what would the
0: statement say? Rachel?
1: What I thought was, <laughs> I didn't say it. What I thought was mm-hmm. funny was where people were trying to assume what they thought he was going to say. Yeah. The best things I heard were Nifty
0: mm-hmm.
1: Nickelback. Mm-hmm and Niners.
0: Not nifty, Nickelback, Niners. It doesn't matter. I don't think it was niggas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: But I saw Cincinnati and Niners together. Like he's, and he stops himself. Who knows? We'll never know. But man, Question. it was a funny moment.
0: It was a funny moment. You know, at, at this point, I feel like I've done enough crying up here that you guys should know when I'm serious or when I'm not serious. I bitch about everything. And I'm just going to embrace it. Too many people have tried to dictate my emotions. Fuck it. I'm an emotional guy. It's just kind of what, it's it's what it is. kind of what I don't know. I don't know if I would call yeah, it Yeah, no,
1: no, I would say it's what people, what's one of the things people like about you.
0: Um, Thank you, Rach. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things. We have to t- talk about uh, the Tyree Nichols video today. So... And the reaction to that and what the reaction to that video signifies and what it means in the larger scope of how we view public safety Mm. and our relationship all over this country with the police and authority. I think that there's some lessons to be taken around here. You guys know how I feel about saying justice for Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols will have no justice. Tyree Nichols is dead.
2: Okay. He is gone. So
0: for me, what we have to talk about now is the society that we're consenting to live in and the people that we're sacrificing to that dysfunction along the way. Okay. Um, It's just my opinion though. I know other people think that these things on the back end are very important. I kind of get the, the. Uh, I kind of get the sense that between incidents, we don't really maintain the type of um, dysfunctional, sort of uh, destabilizing energy that we need to have. But that's okay. That's just me. I'm a guilty of it too. So we'll talk about that video. But before we get into all of that, because that's not going to be as, I don't think, as pleasant to listen to. We, I would like to say, and I think Rachel would too. I'm not sure. Maybe Rachel doesn't care. Um, everybody that came out Friday it was so nice.
1: Oh, Friday too. Yeah. yeah. We had a time. We finally got together and break mm-hmm. bread together with fellow thought warriors. And it was a good time. Friday afternoon, <laughs> traffic in LA, people still came out. And it was so good to not just talk to you, but talk with you afterwards i love that everyone came down we shook hands we hugged we took pictures we talked about some of the things that we discussed because we had to move past the movie um but you know we've got we've got the whole episode coming Mm -hmm. to you guys so the ones who couldn't be there because we know we got thought warriors all over the place Mm -hmm. we recorded it so we're going to give it to you guys so you can feel like you were there with us and then hopefully we can put this thing on the road and meet more of you
0: meet some thought warriors, go to some different places, yeah. shake hands, hug, you know, yeah. be with you guys. It was fun having the mic. Ooh. It was fun being up in front of the crowd so you could rock the crowd, have the mic. I'm up there. There you go. Yeah, Rach. Um, um. That's us.
2: <laughs> like, we're in front of the crowd. That's you what know I you mean? Felt. With,
0: yeah, I'm like this. Like, this is me. I got the mic. I'm rocking the mic. I feel, you know, I'm up there like, ooh, 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 ah, ah. Different rock uh, Rakim. I'm Nas. You know, you know, who, who Ooh, are you? I
1: didn't realize you were all that.
0: Who, who, who are you? Rachel, who when you're rocking the mic, who are you? Oh.
1: Ah. Kendrick. you Kendrick. Energy
0: that I'm Kendrick. With. Uh Kendrick Lindsay. Mm. Oh. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what we up here. I'm Rakim. Uh uh. Thinking of a master plan. You know what I'm saying? Uh. Uh, uh, uh. Don't Sorry. make me drop. It. I was feeling <laughs> it. <laughs> you're getting into it. You're getting into it. Rocking the mic. Okay, um, guys,
2: energy up, spirits up.
0: Hold space for yourself. We're going to talk about the death of another human being right now. On the other side it's break, the big deal of the day is, of course, what's going on right now with Tyree Nichols.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. And that's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit Hyundaisa.com to learn more about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Okay, Rachel, did you watch the body cam footage?
1: I saw clips.
0: Okay, let's start there. How did you allow yourself to watch the body, the body, the body cam footage?
1: I saw it on accident. I heard it. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I got to be honest with you. I've had anxiety about doing this podcast today because I knew we were going to talk about this. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I don't want to be emotional. I know I'm tired of it. I know you're tired of it. You know, a part of me is like, should I watch the video? Should I not? I didn't do it for selfish reasons to not watch the video. I just, this man lost his life. Mm-hmm. I know what happens at the end. I read the, I, before the video came out, obviously I was following along. I read that it was worse than the Rodney King beating. I didn't need to see it. I heard his parents talk about it. I heard their emotion. I heard them describe it. I didn't need to watch the video. So of course, being a frequent user of social media, by chance I saw it when I didn't want to, or I was listening to a podcast and I heard it, which I think might have been worse to listen to it than to then what because I'm 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 hearing it. It's just, I don't know. I can't explain. It's all bad. I don't want to say one's worse than the other, but just to hear it was so painful. Um yeah. I, I didn't. You watched the whole thing?
0: Several times.
1: Wow.
2: Several times. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it.
0: It's a coping mechanism. We have different ones. Yeah, it's Van is afraid of nuclear fan. It's I am afraid of nuclear war. So I immerse myself into everything uh, possible about nuclear war, learn it down to um, the weapons that are used, learn it it down to missile missile defense systems, budgets, uh, installations all over the globe, how fast a submarine can be at a spot to shoot a nuclear weapon, the types of nuclear bombs that might be able to fly from North Korea Whether or not they are classified as ICBMs, how high they go, what our chances are deflecting them are, um, how quickly we can scramble up a defense, where our nuclear installations are uh, uh, around the country and how close I live to them, Um, what the nuclear technology of the Russians are now as opposed to what the nuclear technology of the Russians were at at their height. How many nuclear weapons does China have? How many aircraft ch- carriers does China have? Like how fast can we scramble a response when we know that something's in the air? Does it have to go all the way to space? Do we shoot it while it's going to space? Do we neutralize it from a satellite while it's in space? Do we neutralize it when it's finding its target on okay. the way back okay. I'm just I, I'm just, Okay. I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, with this... The reality of the situation, the way I look at that, and sometimes the way I cope, the reality of the situation isn't going to change. The only thing that's going to change is how much you know about it, and how much you know about it. In my opinion, uh, affects your ability to be able to, um, sure, to to do something about it. That does not mean that I think anybody should have subjected themselves to this video. I am very proud of everyone who made the decision not to watch it. I am. I think that those people that made the decision not to watch the video, I probably watched it entirely, entirety in its entirety, probably six or seven times. Um, I watched clips of it way more than that, maybe upwards of 10 times. But the people that made the decision to, to not watch the video, um, I'm extremely proud of them because they made a choice. They made the most important choice that you can make, which is a choice for your spirit and a choice for your sanity um, and a choice for the way your body is going to move. So like, I appreciate everyone that didn't watch it.
1: It's also just about like when I, when I watch videos like that and I close my eyes, that's all I see because I heard it. I it's what I hear. And so I think for me, which I saw something more than I've seen before when it comes to broadcasting and on television is that even the media, at least whatever channel I was watching, even said, we're not going to show the video right now. We're going to show you who the man who Tyree Nichols was. You to not see that. You don't see that at all. And I'm not saying that that's better, but I appreciated that because I want to learn about who he was in that way, and I don't want my last memory to be that video or to hear that audio. And I think that's, yeah, I guess that is my coping mechanism. Hmm. That's how I want to see him. Um, because sadly, this is how we learned about him.
0: I'll speak directly to that too.
2: Tyree Nichols' death is now symbolic,
0: and there's no way getting around that. Uh, his family gets to remember him and the people that loved him get to remember him in, in the way that he represented himself and showed up for them while he was alive. I didn't know Tyree Nichols. Right. I didn't. Um, I don't need a reminder to remember or recognize people's humanity. Um, I need a reminder. I think sometimes to uh I think we all need reminders sometimes when people make mistakes to remind to remember that they're only human. But as far as, you know, I'm I assume that this this man had people that loved him. I assumed that they have memories of him. I assume all of those things. The reality is that Tyree Nichols' death has become symbolic of us living within a system that is desperately broken and we can, I'm not being critical of anyone who chose to do that or who wanted to remember him as the loving son, the skateboarder, you know, all of those things. Uh, But I believe that that itself is also a coping mechanism. I believe that itself is also people who are making the, the very uh, deliberate choice to say, hey, we don't want to remember somebody's life by -hmm. how they died. And that Mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's important for us to remember and put it right smack dab in the front of our brains that our unwillingness or inability to address what are becoming foundational systemic Issues. These are becoming um, the calling cards of these broken, broken systems, which is the deaths, the horrific deaths of American citizens. We are. We're getting to a point to where everyone is complicit in their apathy, or complicit in their inability to hold the right people accountable to make sweeping reform not even reform, (laughs) uh, sweeping, dismantling of these things nationwide. And just as we talk about school shootings, this is just a part of life. This is just a part of who we are because it doesn't seem like we have the wherewithal to really look at this and get something done about it.
1: You don't think we have the wherewithal to do it? You're on mute. You don't think we have the wherewithal to do it?
0: No, I don't. And we'll get to we're going to get to Tyree Nichols and talk about the ins and outs of it. But I just I think this part is important because I want to make sure that there's some catharsis for the audience here and the people that are frustrated can talk to the people who um, uh, just need to decompress a little bit. And I think this conversation is good. No, I don't think we have the wherewithal. I don't and let me tell you why because you know we've had conversations on this podcast uh very recently about what place anger, hostility, um rage have in these these conversations. And people's opinions differ on what what place they do have. If your anger is misplaced or if it leads you to a place to where you can't function intellectually, then obviously it serves no one. It's you making yourself feel better, right? But Mm -hmm. being displeased and angry and uh, uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable about these societal situations is the only way to fix them. But you have to be able to remember that you were mad. Human beings are literally, it's a pro-evolutionary trait Forgetting tragedy is a part of who we are. We have to move on and live the rest of our lives. Sure. So, but in this case, we need to remember. This is why our government has made a big, big push about not letting us forget certain things. The reason why they say remember 9 11 it's to remember the victims of course but it's also that you remember it when they need a tax hike or to send young men into war young men and young women into war or to bomb some country or to drone some group of people with their family you know you know what i mean to to kill a bunch of, they're they're reminding you hey never forget because there are a lot of things that are going to have to be done that aren't going to look so pretty. And you have to remember why we're doing them. And it's the same thing ever. Remember the Alamo. Remember Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor happens. A couple of years later, the United States nukes a bunch of people. Thousands of innocent people die. Hey, remember, this war was started by some people who attacked Mm -hmm. us when we weren't even in it. So I want you guys to understand that the thing inside of you that incites you It's as useful as you make it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to forget. You're going to move on. And between these incidents, we do. And we have conversations about the political inability of people that we voted for, about how we should be criticizing them, about how we should be talking to them. We volley these names around. We put these names on bills. We do all kinds of things. But you know what doesn't ever happen? Actual reform, actual change.
1: Mm. Um. Well, I completely agree with you. When you were saying wherewithal, I was thinking of it in a different way, but I agree with you. And I think that the reason we are in this cycle over and over again is because the way we do this is we wait for a tragedy to happen and then we react to it. And then we react and we're outraged and we protest and then we wait again for another tragedy to happen and we react to it without actually being proactive to the real issue. And I think that's the other thing is they're addressing the problem in the wrong way. Well, they're really not addressing it, but rather than looking at these random things and I know we'll get into it, not random, but these other things it's not addressing the overall issue, which is it's a system. Nobody's addressing the system. They're not doing it in Congress. They're not doing it on a local level a regional level, whatever it may be. They're not addressing that. And so until they address that and there's change with that, if there's not going to be an issue. And I know we'll, we'll, we'll get all into it. And so you can move on to that. But that's I mean, that's really what it is. We wait for it to happen and then we react to it. And it's a cycle that we move on and on and on, and we keep doing it.
0: With so many different things. Okay, you guys know uh, Tyree Nichols was killed. 29-year-old black man stopped. uh, Traffic stopped on January 7th. He was beaten by officers for three minutes. He died in the hospital three days later.
2: Um, The video is gut-wrenching. It's soul, out-of-body, uh, somebody help him! Bad.
0: Um, cries out for his mother, beaten by police. Uh, Eighty yards me-
1: away from his mother's home.
0: Absolutely, said that police, Memphis police chief, Sarah Lynn Davis, the first black lady to serve in that role, told CNN that the footage was as bad, if not worse, than the 1991 Rodney King beating case. Five police officers to Darius Beam. Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, Justin Smith, and Desmond Mills Jr. were fired after the incident and have been charged with second-degree murder, aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, official misconduct, and official oppression. Attorneys for the officers have said in reports that nobody intended Nichols to die.
2: Lord have mercy, Jesus.
0: On Friday, though, Attorney Antonio Romanucci told Insider that their actions were designed to kill. He said that when you see the video and you see the fact that they were taking free punches and kicks at someone who was restrained, they knew their actions were designed to kill, Romanucci told Insider at the Mount Olive CME Church in Memphis. Whether or not they knew that they were going to kill them, that is not the law. He was a human pinata for those officers, he said. It was unadulterated, unabashed, nonstop beating of this young boy for three minutes. If you watch the video, they use several different ways to beat him. They punch him in his face. They kick mm-hmm. him. They beat him with the ret- with the baton. He is being restrained um, this entire time. There was a traffic stop. He was forcibly removed from the car. We should say that from the beginning of this, um... There seems to be procedural misconduct in all kinds of ways. The police, like they do all the time, they escalate this. They try to forcibly remove him from his car. He flees on foot. They they, they track him down. They don't even know how to use the fucking pepper spray. They're pepper spraying everywhere. They're pepper spraying themselves, okay, trying to wash it out of their own eyes. And then they get this this man cuffed, and they just beat on him. Punches to the face kicks to the head while he's down. Mm -hmm. Uh, One officer gets his baton out, wails on him. They just beat him. And then as he is sitting there, as he is laying there, because he sits, he lays there for a little while, then they tell him to get up. They say, "Say, bro, sit up. As he is laying there, uh, several different organizations fail. EMS arrives on the scene. They start looking Mm -hmm. at him. No one is like, yo, y'all really fucked him up. Like, nobody seems to care about the American citizen um, that essentially has holes in his face from fists, batons, and, and, and feet. It's truly,
2: truly astonishing. Like, it's astonishing.
0: And these cops are black. And there's an eerie part of the video when you watch it that you hear them speak in vernacular that's so familiar to you. Damn, bruh. I was running, bruh. I was, uh, man, my legs started hurting, man. Um, I, I, uh, I had him like, he, 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 he's strong as hell. He gotta be high. He gotta be on something. It's, uh, it's otherworldly to listen to them and for them to feel no connection at all.
1: Nothing. They didn't look at him like he was a person, a human being. No connection at all. Um, something that you said, he, um, fire, the fire department came first. Nothing. 20 minutes. Then the EMS came before they even decided to do something. And he's just sitting there dying. Dying, And they're bragging to one another about the way they took turns beating him. Mm -hmm. These are police officers. These are public servants. These are who your tax dollars pay for. And this is how they're treating the citizens.
0: I was hitting them with straight haymakers, dog. I jumped in and started rocking them. That's what they're saying. Uh, Why did cops pull him over? His family said that Mr. Nichols, who was a photographer, was driving around taking pictures of the sunset. Officers initially said he was pulled over for alleged reckless driving. But police on Friday, last Friday, said that there's no evidence to substantiate that claim. The footage released only begins after police confront him at an intersection at 824 local time. Police said the initial traffic stop was not filmed, but we don't know why. Uh This goes back to something that we've talked about on this very podcast about how the nature of the frivolous traffic stop lends itself to deadly outcomes when you have a culture of police murderers.
1: And you have to look at what their intent is when they're doing these frivolous traffic stops. They're fishing expeditions. They're doing it so they can fish for something else. So they're specifically targeting certain people so they can dive into possibly finding some other criminal activity. So the original purpose, there isn't one. It's not reasonable. And that's exactly what was happening here, which is why that traffic stop was not filmed. I know I'm assuming that, But that's why it wasn't filmed.
0: If we talk about the nature of the traffic stop, the frivolity of it, and what it means to have police overextend themselves and become obstacles in the life of average, ordinary American citizens, it speaks back to the culture of policing that we are discussing. It speaks back to whether or not police are there to protect and serve and be instruments of public safety, or whether or not police with budgets that are out of control, mm. with tactical gear at their disposal and a military mindset, or marauding around communities all over this country looking for people to fuck up. Mm looking for people that they think for some reason present some imminent danger to society. Although they don't have any uh, specific information that that's the case, any specific evidence that they've been taught killology throughout the nineties and the sheepdog mentality. Both things that you guys can look up and that now everything looks like a wolf. And that they're hammers, and everything looks like a nail, um we should talk about that because some of these officers were a part of the Scorpion unit, which was launched in twenty twenty one Now you guys have heard about the scorpion unit uh it is the street crimes operation to rescue peace in our neighborhoods. They launched it because they felt like crime in Memphis was going too crazy and need to crack down on crime uh this was. Something that the mayor and this police chief, who we're going to talk about a little bit, were very excited about when it started. Um, Have you heard anything about this This uh, this Scorpion unit? Do you know anything about it?
1: I mean, I heard about it because of this. I don't know if this is something that's implemented in other cities or not, but I think that even if they don't call it the Scorpion unit, there are similar units who do just that. I mean, this is where profiling comes from, right? If you're having these traffic stops because you're trying to reduce specifically with the Scorpion unit, combating the high numbers of carjacking assaults and homicides, and you're doing that by st- pulling people over and stopping them, how are you deciding? You're not, you're not stopping at the street and stopping every single car that goes by. So how, how are you determining who's, who's who? who's necessary without it being profiling. So to answer your question, no, I don't know. I had not heard of this before, but I am aware that units similar to this exist in other cities when they're trying to combat high crime. And the way they do that seems to be through profiling.
0: I think that you just said something that's so important. I'm going to read you some stuff about this Scorpion unit that was put out uh, when they made the announcement couple of years ago. Um, it's important to us that each member of the community feels that they can go to the grocery store or live in their house without their house being shot or shooting frequently occurring on the streets and on the roadways. From MPD Assistant Chief Sean Jones, okay? Uh, four teams of officers will focus on restoring peace in neighborhoods and reducing violent crime and hotspots around the city. There was a video that they put out with this, and the video shows cops getting training. There are a couple of quotes from even the mayor and the police chief. Um, But there's something that I never saw, or something that was harder to ascertain for me when I'm looking at this. Actually, two things. Number one is what you're talking about. How? Yeah. You have a specialized unit. That you are, um, and by the way, according to officials in Memphis, it worked. That they had a crime reduction last year. Okay? That they say that the Scorpion unit and units like it were actually very useful in reducing crime. Okay? At
1: what cost? That, that's the,
0: that's, that's the, that to me is the question. One is how. How does the Scorpion unit reduce crime? Mm -hmm. And in something like this, when you are selling a new style of policing or a new unit of policing, um, a different approach to policing, I think it's incumbent upon the people that are putting this stuff out there to tell us how they're going to do this. Does this mean that they are going to work with the community and build a bond with them and a trust with them uh, and have information coming from the community and the best ways to assess crime, uh, and be there as, and uh, be there to stand in the gap between criminals and victims. Or does this mean that they're going to maraud around neighborhoods and arrest everybody that they see? Does this mean that interactions are going to go through the roof? Does this mean that, uh, th- that, that, um, that they're going to be casualties of the Scorpion unit? And I also think that when we're talking about reducing crime and we're talking about uh, specialized units or different police tactics, there should be equal amounts of study and care put on to community impact. Was there anyone in the MPD or wherever or wherever that looked at the impact of a unit like this on the community? You have a budget for everything else. Do you have a budget to do a community impact study and let people know how their lives are going to be different if there is a specialized unit that is focusing in on specific hotspots? Because remember, what we're not supposed to be doing is subjecting American citizens to life in a police state. And that's kind of the stuff that I never hear. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean?
1: Well, I think also. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you finished.
0: No, you're done. I know I got
1: you. Well, no, I was going to say, I think also when you create a unit like this, I would imagine that there are certain policies and pr- procedures and protocols that are in place because this is a unit, new unit. So how is this new unit supposed to function? Is there particular training for this unit now that you are going to put them in high crime spots every single day? where violent crimes occur on a daily basis. That's what the Scorpion unit is saying. And that's why they launched it. So what does that look like? That's what I would want to know. Or did you just say, I'm, pa- I'm taking these 50 officers and I'm just throwing you into these situations. Are they patrolling? Are they only responding when there's a call so they can get there quickly? Or is it at random and profiling, which seems to be the case, which is why when you were talking, I said, at what cost is this being done? Like what is the what is the ultimate goal here? Is the goal here for appearances to say I have more cops out on the streets or is the goal to actually understand what's happening, why it's happening and best and the best way to fix it? Or is it a scare tactic? It's called the fucking scorpion unit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a scare tactic. Hmm.
0: So let's talk about the name real quick cuz I think that's a very interesting observation. Two things absolutely everything that you're saying is minty green fresh, okay? And the reason why it is is because if you're doing something in the interest of the community, you have to know how it's going to impact and affect the community. And there need to be specifics. It doesn't just need to be, hey, we're going to take our toughest motherfuckers and put them in the hardest areas and do this. We need to know how it's going to work, uh, why it's going to work, because I can tell you right now, a nominal drop in crime in Memphis is not worth the life of even one, one American citizen. Right. It's right. not. In my opinion, it's not. Especially in what this does to the relationship Uh, between the community and the police now. I mean, they lynched a guy. So we're out of here. We're done. We're fucked. Okay? And it was only two years that the motherfuckers were doing what they were doing, and we already got here. Do you know who started Mm -hmm. SWAT? Do you know who started SWAT? I do not. A man by the name of Daryl Gates. This is an interesting little. Hold on. Is this my, my
1: internet or or? I'm gonna or change my bands. Wi. I'm gonna
0: change my Wi-Fi. I'm gonna okay. change my Wi-Fi real
2: quick. Let me see. Okay.
0: Um, Who started SWAT? SWAT, SWAT was started by a gentleman by the name of Daryl Gates. Daryl Gates, uh, um, was a Los Angeles police guy. And in like the late 60s, in response to riots, in response to what he thought was a rise in a particular type of crime, he went around talking to Marines. And in his conversations with those Marines, he wanted to have a more militarized unit of the police that could deal with these threats that he thought regular patrolmen couldn't deal with, Daryl Gates. If that name is familiar to you, it's because Daryl Gates also presided over the LAPD at the time that Rodney King had the shit beat out of him. It was Daryl Gates's LAPD that was, hmm. in effect, the most ruthless police department in America. Maybe in the history of America. The LAPD Hmm. at that time. Now, do you know what SWAT means?
2: I actually don't. SWAT means special weapons and tactics.
0: That's what it means. SWAT means special weapons and tactics. That is not the name that Daryl Gates had for SWAT though. Oh. Everyone knows the name as Special Weapons and Tactics. The original name for SWAT was Special Weapons Assault Team.
1: Oh my god.
0: That's a fact. That's not emotional van flying off the handle. That's a fact. Even in the late 60s, Daryl Gates was told by people, hey, maybe you shouldn't call a unit that is supposed to be acting in the interest of the public an assault team. Mm
2: -hmm. You can't
0: call it that. By the way, Gates is on tape addressing this. So he changed the name when that gentleman right there who starts that group, and now SWAT has been ballyhooed and we can talk about whether or not it even works. Uh, you know, there've been mass shootings where SWAT team hasn't even fucking gone in In Littleton, Colorado, the SWAT team didn't even go in when Harrison Klebold was fucking up the fucking school. Cause they didn't know what they needed to do. You know, they didn't know the layout of the school. They had no fucking they This is like, whatever. It's a bunch of fucking guys who got an extra training, but whatever, man. Um, and so think about what the police force is going to be like when that guy is in charge of it you.
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when,
0: when you've looked at the police as not really being an agency that acts in the interest of public safety, when the police have a union inside of them that is essentially an assault team, and when we're having specialized units, uh, that aren't investigative in any way, that aren't community outreach in any way. And even the investigative units mm-hmm. themselves fall under this same umbrella. What's going to be the cost of the community?
2: Right. The
0: fucking point of the police is you. Come on. You are the point of the police. You are the mm-hmm. point of the police. All right. Um, I encourage everybody to look up what I just said. Look up anything that I just said. Uh, because we're getting to a culture that seems in some ways irredeemable or unfixable, I assure you that that's not the case. It is, re- it's not redeemable, but it is fixable. This culture of policing cannot be redeemed, but there are things that can be done to fix it. Let's move on to some of the responses to this. Cause I, mm-hmm. we got into the realm of lunacy here with some responses to this. Uh, reaction, one of the first reactions I saw was from Jason Whitlock.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: who can always well, be he always, on.
1: He always has something interesting to say.
0: Donnie, can you give that to me?
5: I would examine the racial element of this because there yeah. is a racial element. And this is a story about young black men and their inability to treat each other in a humane way. Everybody involved in this on the street level was either 24 to 32 years old everybody it was a group of young black men five on one looked like gang violence to me it, it looked like what young black men do when they're supervised by a single black woman and that's what they got going on in the memphis police department they've elected some uh, or put some black woman in charge of the police force and we're getting the same kind of chaos and disunity and violence that we see in a lot of these cities that are run by single mothers If we want to discuss the breakdown of family that leads to disrespect for authority, that causes you to resist the police and run from the police and not comply with the police because you resist authority at all times, because there was no male authority in your home, let's have that discussion. But that's not where they want to take us. They want to take us down the path of saying, you know what, this is Tucker Carlson's fault. Hmm
0: you have any thoughts about that?
1: I don't. My my natural inclination is to not want to even respond to it because it's just so ludicrous. Because what he's doing in that moment is checking every single box he needs to make sure that he gets another appearance on Tucker Carlson show. Gang violence. Check. Blame black people. Check. Um, Talk bad about black women. Check. You know, Cater to Tucker Carlson and say how they'll try to blame you and make you the enemy. Check. He does every single one of those things in that statement and actually says it's all a red herring to what the actual issue is. The issue is the system. And that's exactly what you have to point out in this. It's not because those officers were black and he was a black man. This isn't Black-on-Black crime. It is a systematic issue, which is why it keeps happening. It ain't bad apples. It's not one police unit. It's the entire policing system, which is why we're here. So it's hard for me to entertain anything that Jason Whitlock says because he's a fucking idiot, and he's just going to say everything that he needs to say, like I said, to keep getting these moments on TV. But you have to address it because the people who are watching Tucker Carlson's show They're not listening to this podcast. They're listening to Tucker Carlson and watching a black man speak on what they're looking at as a black issue and are taking his word as Bible. And that's the problem with this. And that's why you have to call out Jason Whitlock because they'll say, well, Jason Whitlock's black and this is exactly what he said is happening. And that will be their truth. And we have to speak out against it because that is not the truth. That's not why Tyree Nichols is dead. It's, he's dead because the system failed him, and it's a system that has been a problem since its existence, particularly with Black
0: people. There you go. So let's let me try to do something new. Oh, let,
1: me not, no. let me try to not Let me What's try to do new? something
0: new. Let me try to do something new. Let me try to not get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to take what Jason Whitlock says on its face. I thought okay. you were
1: going to try to see the other side no, of it. No, I was no, like, don't,
0: no. be, new like <laughs> don't be new like
1: that. Come on. Don't be new like that. Ain't
0: nobody that new. Okay. <laughs> hey, there, that newness doesn't exist. It's Van. It's me. it's me. It's me. It's the big boy. Come on. It's Captain Titties. It's me. Okay. Um, <laughs> First of all, uh, Sarah Lynn J. Davis, who is the uh police chief. She's married. I don't know if he meant that she's a single black woman, and the fact that she is just one black woman, or yes, if he meant that she's black men looking over these black men or if he meant that she was actually single but she's married um I just want to state that I don't know if I don't know what I was think
1: going on with it It was the first thing that he said
0: right so uh she's the chief of the Memphis police. she joined the-, the Atlanta police force in nineteen eighty six uh rose to deputy chief did not have a career that was without controversy. She was fired. Um, She was demoted and fired. um, And then she was brought back on after an appeal. But she continued to rise up the ranks, became chief of the Durham police at some point, and then became the chief of the Memphis police in 2021. The reason why I point out this is because she's had a decades-long career in law enforcement. I am 42 years old. She uh, got her first job in law enforcement in 1986. If you guys do the math, that is a long time as a cop. She's been a lot of different places, okay? If in nearly 40 years as a police officer, if she doesn't have what it takes to be a police administrator, it's not because she's a woman, it's not because. of anything other than the police failing to recognize good candidates. I don't know as much about her besides some of her past controversies and the fact that she has been on an upward trajectory since the late 2010s. She's been featured on Good Morning America, O Magazine, all of that stuff. So if there is a cop anywhere that was uh, prepared and groomed to be a chief of the police, it is her. She is literally like Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire. You know, somebody had some issues back in the day, but a company player, someone that's on the trajectory. So mm-hmm. the notion that she's unqualified in some way or that people are acting out in some way because she is a woman is preposterous. Absolutely. It's simply, it's just on its face preposterous. There are no right. holes in her record or resume. All right, that's first Number two, the breakdown of the family slash authority. I hear this a lot. Uh, actually, Jay-Z said this. Donnie, find that clip real
5: quick. You think about the idea of uh, growing up in a single-parent house, which I grew up in, which me grew up in, and having an adverse feeling for authority, right? Your father's gone. So you're like, I hate my dad. Well, nobody tell me what to do. I'm the man in the house. And then you hit the street and you run into a police officer. And it's first states, Put your hands up, free. Shut up, and you like. Excuse my language, everybody. You like, fuck you, right? So that in, that interaction causes people to lose lives.
0: Okay,
2: it's ridiculous.
1: That's his experience.
2: It no.
0: Sure. No,
1: no, 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 no. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying he is generalizing his experience to every experience of a black man growing up in a single parent home.
0: It's quaint in it's idiocy. Agreed. And and the the only reason why I bring it up in this situation is because when I heard Jason Whitlock say that, I thought, hey, that's not something that somebody that wasn't bug dancing would say. But then I thought to myself, no. That's a belief that some people have. And it's important that we name this and look at this. Okay. 1963, a lot of black people went to Washington and one of our best, a lot of people went to Washington, one of our best uh, gave a speech. Martin Luther King Jr. There's a very famous placard made by a gentleman named Samuel Edgerton at that speech. The placard was yellow with red writing on it. And it says, we demand an end to police brutality. 1963.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The version
0: of this story that the Republicans would have you believe is that
2: Social programs and the image
0: of the welfare queen and giving out Black people, uh, giving all kinds of help to, to impoverished Black people, impoverished people, period, is the reason why the family unit broke down. Uh, what the Candace Owens, what the Jason Whitlock would have you believe, that Black people certainly, uh, suddenly lost their drive to succeed after the government began to subsidize their lives. Mm-hmm. That at some point uh, in the early 70s, after a decade of sweeping change, that Black people decided to say, hey, we're not going to work because we'll just get it for the government. And that women decided that the way to prosper was not to have family unit, but to have as many kids as possible by whomever. And I right. have a dad and the government would be your dad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, this of course leaves out the fact that during the fifties, we had the lowest crime basically in American history. I mean, we've had tremendously low crime recently before a lot of this, but, uh, in the fifties, we had some of the lowest crime rates in the history of this country. And we also had near full employment. And that was because, uh, on the heels of world war II, the economy was booming. Tax rates even being what they were in the fifties had incredibly low crime. You also had
2: stable black families. Going
0: into the 60s, you had the same thing, but something changed. Interactions with the police came to a point to where black people had had enough of it. That's because police brutality by that point had been a decades-old problem in black society. I point you to something here. We'll go to Illinois, if you will. The Illinois Association for Criminal Justice published the Illinois Crime Survey conducted between 1927 and 1928. I'll tell you why this is important. The reason why this is important is because in the 20s during Prohibition, that is really when the police professionalized themselves. Hey, we're going to set standards. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's also when the police became a little bit more, there was more money put into policing because prohibition at this time uh, was a huge, huge, huge um, national program. It was a big deal. You wanted to be able to arrest people that was drinking that liquor, that drank, drank, that hen doggy dog, that mad dog 2020, that Four loco, that say, that Hennessy, whatever. You wanted to be able to arrest them. So you saw more police and you saw police get more aggressive. Survey in the there 1920s? Was a, in the 1920s, okay? The Republican is when this happens. Uh, Illinois wants to know, hey, how are the police working? They do a survey. That survey, in 1927, this is, remember now, there is a point in American history where black families are actually more stable than any other family group because all we had was family, sure. right? Whatever erosion of the father in the Black home that the hyper-conservative is going to blame the left for or going to blame government programs for, that doesn't happen for another three or four decades, right? The survey in 1929 showed that African-Americans made up 5% of the population, but accounted for 30% of the victims of police killings. They were mm-hmm. 5% of the population. Mm-hmm. They accounted for 30% of the victims of police killings. Herbert Hoover, um, who was the president a little bit later, around the same time, This all this stuff is available online. Uh, he actually commissioned a study called the Report on Lawlessness and Law Enforcement vis-a-vis police brutality. We're talking about in 1929, 1930, 1931. Like we're looking at this. Police brutality has been an issue, particularly for people in color. For as long, like Rachel said, as the police have existed. And that is not hyperbole That is verifiable fact. Verifiable fact.
1: The only thing I will add to that is what else was on the rise in the 1920s?
0: Violence against black people?
1: KKK. KKK. Which you know that there's a direct link to a lot of people in enforcement being linked to the KKK. It went back on the rise in the 1920s. So I don't think it's too much of a reach to say that the reason brutality increased and there was this there was studies that were being conducted is because in conjunction with the police establishing themselves, I find it very coincidental that also on the rise in the nineteen twenties was the KKK.
0: I find it coincidental too.
1: Let's go back you to You don't the... find it coincidental.
0: I'm agreeing with <laughs> um, uh, you. let us let us go back. Let's go a couple of decades in the future here. Let's talk to Malcolm X. Donnie, give, give me that audio.
4: The, contr- the controlled press, the white press, inflames the white public against Negroes. It, the police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90% or 99% of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into mm-hmm. the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics, stopping any black man who is in the, on, on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well-dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, as long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. It's
0: 1962. It's 1962. It's 1962.
1: Sixty-one. How relevant? Sixty-one years ago. How relevant is that? 1962. That's insane. Nineteen
0: sixty-two. I have a list here of racial uprest that's in direct result of police action. Philadelphia race riots, nineteen sixty-four. Rochester race riots, nineteen sixty-four. Harlem race riots, nineteen sixty-four. Nineteen sixty-four 1964. in Harlem. Nineteen sixty-four. Fifteen-year-old boy named James Powell was shot and killed. 1967, officers beat up a black cab driver, John Smith, during a traffic stop. Later riots. Some of the earliest examples of police brutality, everybody has seen. Have you
2: ever seen a water hose or a German Shepherd? being turned
0: on Black people, peacefully protesting during the civil rights era. Have you ever seen that? Of course you have.
1: Absolutely, I have,
0: you have, Donnie has, and I suspect that Jason Whitlock has. Everybody has seen that. And beyond racial lines, by the way, beyond racial lines, have you seen the police beat the shit out of hippies? Have you seen the police take a drastic turn during a specific period of American history, and even a more drastic turn, when budgets ballooned out of control, and they were completely militarized. Yeah, yeah. I'm not uh, the Jason Whitlocks in the world. We criticize them because we think that we're that they're coons. That lets them off the hook, in a way. I'm not saying that they're not that. Whatever. They're just wrong. It's just not true. It's just a fable from him and from Hove or anybody else who thinks that. It's just not true. Here is the truth. The police are broken, have been broken, will be broken. The police are the result of a system in which capitalism depresses a group of people to the degree, that they are impoverished and the crime rate there rises, Then, because there's no fixing that, right? Because that's not a problem that needs to be fixed. The only way to fix it is then to send the police in, increasingly vigilant, increasingly violent, increasingly vicious, and to say, Fuck them niggas up. Because what we don't want to do is spread it around. What we don't want to do is invest into human lives. What we don't want to do is to have, to, 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 to identify and sort of convict a system that has the highest income inequality since the Gilded Age. We don't want to have conversations about what it really means to invest into people. We want to fuck people up and people die because of it. And as as a black man, as I sit here, people will indict my culture and they will tell me that I come from a violent culture. And they'll tell me that because of crime rates all across the world, right? All across the country. Never mind that any place people are poor, the crime rate goes up. Look at what's going on in the Appalachians. Look at what's going on in some of these rural places that we don't talk about where you never see a black face. Hip-hop, the evening news, all of those things are supposed to be examples why my culture is violent, why I am have a propensity to the violent, violence. But I can show you 10, 15, 20 videos of police officers from Minnesota to Kenosha to fucking goddamn Baton Rouge to Los Angeles to New York to Florida to Baltimore to Memphis. I can show you videos to Colorado of police killing people and I'm in no way supposed to believe that the police have an inherently violent and vicious culture.
1: Right. So we'll be
0: I mean I, I don't know what to say. I-, I looked at the Jason Whitlock thing and I'm like, I- I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, what the fuck is he talking about?
2: It's-, it's just it's just not true.
1: Right. But I think what you said, everything you said was just on point. And what you said is Never going to happen because you have to admit that it was all a lie and it was corrupt from the beginning. You have to change a narrative that if we're talking about the 1920s has existed for a 100 years. They're never going to admit that. So it's easier for them to just say things like, huh, let's see if we can put a bandaid over this situation and diversify the police. Let's give the police more money to have more training. Let's give the police more money to have certain, you know, departments that can address certain issues rather than going to the root of the problem. Like Mm -hmm. it's rotten at the root and it's stemming everywhere else. And we will continue to have these problems and we'll continue to go back to that cycle that I mentioned at the beginning where we just wait, for the next tragedy to happen, we get outraged, we protest, and we repeat. And right. until they fix it, and we, we can talk about it, and I know that's something that you said, we, we go, we talk about it as it happens, but it's got to be the people in a position of power as well that are actually not just going to post how sad they are about what happened, who say it's a shame. You know, when I look at the Biden administration and they condemn what happened in Memphis— and they're inviting uh, Tyree Nichols' parents to the State of Their Union address, that is performative to me. What are you actually going to do to get to the root of it? You are the elected Mm. official. You are the one that is in a position of power. That is why you're voted to do it. You got in this office on the heels of Black people advocating for you. So what are you going to do for them? If I'm the Nichols family, I wouldn't even want to be there. I'm looking for answers at this point to try to have another family not go through what they went through it's Mm -hmm. i'm sick of the cycle which is why i go back to the first thing i said about this i had anxiety coming on even excuse me even talking about this because it's not a matter of if it's just when this is gonna happen again because we're in a century long if not more than that but a century long issue, foundational issue with the police that is not being addressed.
0: It's well said. And it's part of the frustration. You know, it, there's other stuff to talk about. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to it. I, I want to ask if, if anybody on the team has a problem having Valerie Castile on Thursday. That is Philando Castile's mother. She wants to come on the podcast and talk uh, about her son and about some of the things that are happening to her now. You know, we'll maybe have Valerie on um, to talk about uh, some of the some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I do want to address a couple of things uh, or just say a couple of things here. LeBron James tweeted that we are our own worst enemy. I have a tremendous amount of respect for LeBron James.
1: But not this tweet.
2: Be better. And that's not coming from, that's,
0: that's coming out of love that that's coming from like a 100% place of love. That's the fucking shit that I, you know what I'm saying?
1: Has he responded to this tweet? Has he deleted this tweet?
2: No, not that I can see.
1: Huh.
0: So I'll tell you you guys, yo man, I said this on the podcast, on the podcast, the live podcast we did Friday. Everything you guys say about me is correct. So let me just say this real quick. Everything you got say about me is correct. Rachel is uh, better at a lot of things than I am in terms of um, uh, dealing with these things in a way that is heady and straightforward and right to the point of the issue. I get wrapped up in my emotions, check. I worked at TMZ for nine years, check. Have I ever been somebody's nigga? I absolutely have, check. What I'm not though is somebody's nigga now. And I've never been somebody's nigga to where I put my head in the sand. I'm not saying that LeBron James is doing that right now. But what I'm saying is sometimes the criticism of LeBron James gets to, or or somebody like this, gets to a point to where I'm acting holier than thou. I'm not. LeBron James has done so much for this community that he deserves, he deserves, not even credit. You guys that don't know what the I Promise School is, that there's a food pantry at the I Promise School, that there is, transportation from the I promise school for whatever you might say about it is a completely holistic approach to education and societal functionality for students and, and their parents. It's the complete right way to do it.
2: Yeah.
0: Complete right way. You know, was he, was he actually reading the autobiography of Malcolm X? No. Okay, like you know, all right, but LeBron is on the good guy side. We don't need that though. We're not our own worst enemies, okay? We're not.
1: If the other side can take your quote and use it in their favor, there's a problem with it. And I would imagine that we aren't the first people speaking about or to LeBron James about this tweet. Of all the things that you could tweet about what happened with Tyree Nichols, this was your takeaway? This is what you felt compelled to write in all caps with multiple exclamation points?
0: Hey, I don't with love. Not even on a call-out type of, don't be just with love, with no, 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 Rachel, let's be, let's with, cause we gotta look, we have to love. It has to be with love. With it's love. Not LeBron not is love. with us. LeBron is with us. It's not not love. You just have though. to
1: be more responsible. I'm not, I'm not coming down on him. I'm not here to yeah. list all the things that LeBron has done. I'm just saying, I would imagine that we aren't the only people talking about this yeah. or to him about it. I would imagine, I know that your heart is in the right place and your intention is good. But with these public platforms, with the things that you represent wow. yourself to be, and he is... He is, mm-hmm. I'm not taking that away from him. You've got to be more responsible because people look to you for your leadership because of the things that you've done. You've just got, like, as you said, be better. That's it. I'm not here to knock LeBron. That's not what we're that no, not at all. He's yeah. just love, love exactly.
0: LeBron. LeBron's doing great things for black people. It's just, we wanna make sure we wanna, you know, we need to, we need to be able to be able to talk behind the scenes. My, me too. I need to be able to like. Somebody to check me, you know, I, and I got, I've been checked over the last couple of days. There have been people that have checked me, you know, there are some people that I had to check. <laughs> so, okay. Okay? okay. But it's check. Okay. It's like we get in each other, you know, Rachel, sometimes Rachel will be like, "Fan, check me, check. You know what I mean? So I, Don, I, Donnie, I want a sound effect whenever it is not just, it's a loving, because when you call somebody, it's, but it's like, it's just a check. You know, and I'm not even I'll say this about <laughs> the uh I'll say this about some of our our people who watch and listen to our show and then comment on various forums and Reddit or whatever. Sometimes it's just a loving check. And I gotta I gotta be more willing to check, check. Some of the you know, there was one comment I saw a couple of weeks ago that brought up my dad, and I'm like, come on guys, like you know, but we'll you know, go fuck yourself, I hope whatever. But but it's a check. It's okay. It's okay. All right. We gotta go. Without that that's our uh, what? What are you doing? What like? What are you? You don't hear them?
1: You don't you? hear them going crazy?
0: No, because they're trying boys, to check
1: boys, me. Boys, 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 boys. They're trying to
0: check me. Oh, I do want to say one thing. <laughs> check, check them. Um, uh, I do want to say one thing. I, I uh, I have one thing to say here. Um, and it is the fact that I got something that's pretty amusing. I have a, a line on what Tony Romo was trying to say. Go ahead. From what I understood, from a really, really good source, Tony Romo was. Tony Romo says it's from a really good source. I was about to say near
2: defenders, but I thought that that sounded dumb.
1: He's got three knit, yeah, three three knit,
0: three, three near defenders, and he just changed it up. He was about to say near defenders, and he thought that it sounded dumb. Hey, man. What a coincidence. <laughs> I'm just three saying, ni- like, three t- ni- hey, Tony, Tony ain't got no look. Tony ain't right. got no smut. Tony ain't got no smut on this record. I believe Tony. Tony was about to say near defenders. He changed it up. It's just one of those things. And our PTSD made it a joke. Uh, I would like to say to the family of Tyree Nichols and everyone that has gone through this before, um, I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, from the pit of my soul, pray for your healing. Uh, I pray that whatever has to happen for for you guys to be able to move forward, uh, which I know that you will, because that's what we do, uh, that it happens. And I hope that you can feel strength uh, because it must not be easy mm-hmm. to be, to, to feel what you're feeling right now. I hope you can feel mm-hmm. strength. But I just want everybody to understand right now, there will be no justice for Tyree Nichols. There will be no justice for Breonna Taylor. There would be no justice for Ahmaud Arbery. There would be no justice for Trayvon Martin. There would be no justice for Mike Brown. There would, they're dead. The ones that we need to ensure justice for are the babies that are still sucking air right now, are the black women and men that are still on this, on this earth right now. They need justice, and they need living justice, breathing justice. Justice is walking around being a full representative citizen. That's what they need. So if you want that justice, you gotta put your motherfucking foot on the gas, and so do I. And so do I. And so
1: do I. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, take the think caps off and do not stop running on Van Laking Jr.
1: I'm Rachel Lindsay.